Hi, everyone, and welcome to another chapter in the Stories of Resilience. I am so excited for this conversation. This is the first time that I am speaking with someone that I actually know in real life. Rachel was one of my cohort members. She helped me through a lot of the crap that is involved in graduate school. She like helped me get through a lot of the academic stuff, helped me work out like university politics, but she was also there for me through like a lot of life changes that I went through during those years. She was also a neighbor, like we lived across the street from yeah. each other. She that. was there during my first pregnancy and me dealing with like high risk pregnancy and all that stuff and being a support for me being a mother while going to school and trying to juggle everything. So I am so glad that we are able to reconnect in this way and have a conversation. So um, I want you to introduce yourself and kind of what you do professionally, just so people get an idea for that and feel free to share like your website or any information you'd like um, if people want to learn more about you. Yeah, sure. Um, so I'm Rachel DeConing. Um, yes, Maria and I went to school together and it, we have lots of fond memories. There was only about seven people in our cohort. So and then it turned into six. So we were all really close and had to lean on each other a lot during that time. Um, and now I'm in Kansas City, go Chiefs. Um, and I have my own practice. Um, so I'm a marriage and family therapist as well. And I have a private practice. And then I also lead anxiety groups. Um, if you want to learn more about me, um, that's totally fine. That's not why I'm doing um, this interview, it's um, for a totally different reason, but of course, if you'd like to visit my website, it is www.rrcounseling.org, and you can go there and learn more about me if you want, um, but yeah, so that's me. Okay, okay, so I want to start um, just to frame our conversation by you describing in your words what resilience means to you. Oh, gosh. Um, it's it's such a big word because I think there are so many different aspects to it, which I'm sure we'll get into in this interview. Uh, but I always think of um, resilience as like, how do you bounce back from adversity? Um, what is What makes up your ability to bounce back? And are you able to do that even when difficulties arise? Um, in your life. In fact, um, not this time, but the last time that I was really ill and hospitalized, um, I ended up getting a tattoo afterwards. And it's on my arm here. I'll, I'll only show it to you because um, it's a really complicated tattoo, but there's a bunch of different things in here that represent resiliency for me. And so I don't know if you can see that really yes, well. I can. I can. So there's like 10 things on here that represent resiliency for me. Um, and symbolize that but the whole thing is an arrow okay. um, and so for me that was like you know um, an arrow gets pulled back but eventually moves forward and so like that was my yeah so um, that was the main symbol. yeah that was the main symbol um, and then in that there's just like a, a ton of other things to be honest I don't even remember what all of them mean but I did at one point in time have a sketch where all of them were very intentional symbols of resiliency so it's made up of so much but ultimately that's like the metaphor that I I think of as, as an arrow that you pull back and it eventually moves forward I love that so much I haven't heard that metaphor yet but I love yeah. it I love it because a lot of times like we think oh like 
we backtracked or I'm back to where I started. But that metaphor is so powerful because you can go back and actually like fling forward even further than where you were before. That is so beautiful. Thank right. you for sharing that. Yeah. So what um what would you like to share about what has happened recently that has really highlighted to you the resilience that resides within you um so i'll try to make it short because it could be a really long story but um essentially i was diagnosed with ulcerative colitis when i was 13 years old which is really young um to be diagnosed with ulcerative colitis and i'm just going to call it uc um okay. because that's uh, easier than seeing ulcerative colitis a bunch of times. Um, but it took me a year to get diagnosed because people didn't listen to me. I was 13. I didn't have a voice. There was a lot of stress in my family. And so, um, you know, it kept coming back to, well, she's just stressed. She doesn't want to go to school. Uh, but I was in extreme pain. And um, that first year, it took me so long. And I felt like I, I lost my voice. And I just knew that for the rest of my treatment, I needed to have a voice and advocate for myself. Um, and so, you know, fast forward, we're doing all these medications, et cetera. Um, I have my first quote unquote setback um, in 2011, I think it was our first year um, in grad school. And I developed just a complication from the UC, which was the liver abscess that um, caused like three months of fevers and night sweats and fatigue. And I continued to go to grad school. <laughs> Some people may call that bad boundaries. Um, I, it was um, it was all I knew how to do was just keep going. You because mm -hmm. I was when I was diagnosed, I was thirteen, and you, you just keep going. Um, and so that was really difficult. They figured it out. We treated it. It was caused by actually a medication I was taking, I think. And then I, you know, went in and out of remission for a little while. And then I had my second complication, which was I developed um, a bunch of things, gallstones, masses in my liver, pancreatitis, um, all, again, all came back to the UC and the, the inability to manage it at that point in time. Um, I, they then kind of amped up my treatment. Um, I was in the hospital for a while with that. And that was when I, after I got, before I got my tattoo. Um, and then a few years went by again. Um, and it was probably within the last, let's see, about November is when things like really took a turn for the worst where, um, my, you see, and I don't want to give too much TMI here, so, um, but it, it got to the point where, like, I didn't have control of my bowels. I was having to see clients, but I wore depends because I never knew if I could make it to the bathroom, even the oh. two minutes across the hall. Um, I was having fevers every day. I was having night sweats. I was chronic fatigue, like I just prayed every morning that I could get to 7.30 when my son went to bed so that I could crawl into bed and pretend that I, you know, was living a different life. And at the but, time where, at the time you were like experiencing all these very heavy symptoms, like what, what, what were you thinking at that time as far as like what the cause was or what could be done about it? Or was it just like, this is just what it is? No, at that point in time, and I think this kind of goes into this idea of resiliency. Um, at that point in time, 
so for me, a big part of resiliency is knowing what you can and can't control. And, right. um, for a long time, and, and I, I don't like to blame people, but I do think that within the medical field, it played into this. A lot of people told me, you know, you, you're just going to have UC for the rest of your life. And sometimes medication is going to help. Sometimes it's not. But anytime I would bring up the idea of having my colon removed, which is ultimately the only cure for ulcerative colitis, there is no cure. Um, there's only potential management, but right. that was never, never really worked well for me. I was, I'd be in remission for like six months and then I would flare up again. Um, so even throughout all these 18 years, I was always experiencing symptoms of UC. But the reason I don't highlight those is because to me, that was normal. To me, that was like, okay. I can't control this. I just have to deal with it. Try another medication, keep moving on. And okay. I had a doctor for a really long time who anytime I would bring up the idea of colon removal, it was like a hot stove. I couldn't touch it. And so he would be like, oh, no, no, no. You don't want to go down that road. And we were both very stubborn. And so he's like, there's all these things we can try. You know, we're going to get something that works for you. And I trusted him for a really long time. Um, but when this, all this started in November, I changed doctors. Um, okay. Okay. Because so I knew at, at that first point, it was, at first it was like, okay, this is, this is normal as far as like symptoms with this right. disease. And manageable. So, Okay. Other than those complications, it was manageable to me because I had had okay. it my whole life. I had accepted it. I okay. could go to work. Sure. There was chronic pain and issues like. And fever. And yeah. Yeah. The fever was, that wasn't every day. That was when it okay. got really bad. What The common symptoms that were every day were like abdominal pain, like urgency, not okay. to the point where I was needing to wear depends, but urgency where, you know, like. I'd have to, you know, yeah. come up with a worksheet for a client so that I could get to the bathroom. Right. Never knowing how long it would take in the bathroom, like just um, blood loss. And, you know, a lot of these symptoms are, I'm not embarrassed to talk about them, but I don't right. want to go over someone else's comfort zone. You know what I right. mean? Right. No, but it, I think it's, it's, at least it's helpful for me. And I think it's helpful for people too, to like understand. Cause like, I never heard yeah. about it until I learned about okay. it from you, right? So until yeah. we have like exposure to things and sometimes some people might be experiencing similar symptoms and not understand that this, you know, this could be something that that needs more yeah. attention and care. So okay, sorry. Yeah. I I kind no, of you're fine. there, but continue. You're fine. Yeah, so um that was the, the everyday stuff to me was manageable and acceptable because I had only ever known it. Okay. And because I had a doctor who told me this is your life and you need to accept it. And so, like I said, just, um, everyday abdominal pain, never knowing, like, like I would use the bathroom like 20 times a day and that was normal for me. And I just figured out how to, you know, work with clients and, um, you know, be vulnerable with them. Like, Hey, got to go to the bathroom. Like if I really needed to tell them that I was struggling with, a chronic illness, I would, I, you know, there's only so much you can tell clients just because right. you don't want the power to shift in the right. relationship. But, um, but there were times I had to be vulnerable, you know, um, especially towards the end when the symptoms got to the point where like, I couldn't hide them from anyone because like, as soon as like it, that urgency hit, it's like, I either go to the bathroom now or like, we're going to have a bigger problem on our hands. 
Um, and so at that point in time, you know, like I'm leading groups and I'm, you know, I'm having to share it with people that probably don't want to hear that I, you know, have issues with, um, my large intestine. And so anyways, that's when I just knew that like, okay, yes, there's a process, there's going to be a process to this, but like, I have to do my part in getting it moving. So I changed doctors. Um, I made sure that when I went to my appointment, I told the doctor exactly what I wanted, exactly what I was unhappy with, with my last provider and that I wasn't going to stop. And I, until I got what I wanted, which was, I wanted my colon removed at that point in time, because I knew I had tried, I mean, 50 plus medications. They wanted to put me on like the newest one on the market and medications you have to understand have side effects too. Like yeah. you don't just take the medicine and you don't feel it. Like right. I got a liver abscess from a medication, like right. some of these cause leukemia down the road. And at that yeah. point in time, I'm like, okay, I, I did a So one of the things that I did at that point in time was I joined actually a Facebook group for ulcerative colitis. Okay. And I started doing a lot of research on my own about colectomy, which is colon removal. Okay. Um, and I, what I found was that all of these people were like having the surgery, it got me my life back. And I'd been told by these doctors that having that my going to be the worst was going to be the end of my life. Right, right. Right. And now I have this, this real people who have actually had this happen that I'm reaching out to. They're just telling me like, this was the best decision I ever made. Like I've never felt more free in my life. Um, which a lot of people don't equate that with getting your colon removed. Right, but my right. reality was that I had lived 18 years with extreme suffering and pain. And I was just now to the point where I was like, I don't have to live this way anymore. Yes. I actually do have control over this. Yes. I had, so I had to really advocate for myself though. And yes. so I went to this doctor. I'm like, I want my colon removed. Set me up with a colorectal surgeon. And she's like, okay, but I can't give you my input until we do a colonoscopy. So she did a colonoscopy, which I've had a million of. And she's like, okay, yes, I support your decision to have your colon removed, which I'd never heard before. So that was like, okay. So even though I was in the midst of these awful symptoms that I could barely function, I felt like there was hope. I was doing something that I could to move yes. forward. Yes. But quite frankly, it wasn't happening fast enough. You know, appointments were months down the road. The colorectal surgeon is one of the five best in the United States. And so you can imagine how busy she is. Looked, right. Um, and my symptoms were only getting worse. Things like I, then I started losing weight. I lost 13 pounds in a month. I um, started getting, you know, similar symptoms that I was getting when I had pancreatitis. And so I went to the ER. They sent me home. I went back a week later and I said, I'm not leaving until oh I see somebody God. who's gonna like give me what I need. So they said, okay, well, a bitch, you will sit, you know, you can stay overnight. And my mom was actually with me at that time. And we did kind of a pro con list of like, okay, do we stay and be admitted and risk that this next GI doctor who's going to consult with me is going to tell me what everybody else has told me, which is there's nothing you can do, like call your other GI doctor right. or do we stay and do I advocate for myself and like hope that this is, you know, maybe the change that we need because I knew the colorectal surgeon I was going to see was rounding at that hospital. Okay. So the next morning, you did um, your I, research. <laughs> yeah, I did my research. So the next morning, um, luckily enough, my sister's GI doctor was the one who was rounding 
and he, he I kind of came in with my like gun to blazing, you know, like this poor yeah. guy. Um, <laughs> and I'm like, listen here, like, <laughs> you will see what me. I've been through. This yeah. is what I've been through. And I want my colon out. Like I want it out. And it was like, he asked me a few questions and then he's like, okay, let's get your colon out. And like, <laughs> I can make you cry right now because I was just like, really? <laughs> like, really? Are you going to get it out? He's like, yeah, Dr. Lena O'Brien's the best. And I said, I know she's the best. I was supposed to consult with her Thursday. He's like, let me talk to her and let me see if she can get you in this week. So we talked oh. to her. She came in. She's like, I've heard a lot about you, Rachel. And I was like, yeah, I've been talking to everybody who I can. <laughs> she's like, I'm, I'm getting you in on Tuesday. This is two days later. Um, and so it happened much quicker than I expected it to. Wow. Uh, but at that point in time, that was like my, my miracle in a sense, you know? And I think, um, it had to do with the fact that I recognized that I had been living with something that I didn't need to live with. Yes. Um, and that what, what somebody considers the worst case scenario doesn't have to be the worst case scenario for, for you. Yes. My GI doctor had never had ulcerative colitis, you know, like yes. he didn't know what I was going through at the end of the day, but I had this resource of all these people who did that had yes. gotten it done and had had these wonderful life changes because of what someone would consider the end of the world. Yes. Me, it was the beginning. And so, yes. and in a life man. where you didn't have to manage pain. And so you, we both like love acceptance and we do integrate yeah. like acceptance commitment therapy in our work and everything. However, like one thing that I'm, that I'm love that I'm hearing right now is like, you're encouraging people to be very conscious and intentional about what you're choosing to accept because right. you did the work for 18 years and you chose to accept managing yes. the pain, chose to accept the symptoms of, of the um, diagnosis to be part of your daily like experience. Mm -hmm. Right. And then you were like, but no, this isn't how I want to live my life. And you did the research and you connected with people who had alternative stories and you were like, I deserve that. And I'm going to fight for it. And you allowed yourself to be like the squeaky wheel, as they say. And you spoke up and spoke up and spoke up knowing that rejection might be a possibility, right. knowing that it was actually likely because unfortunately it was part of your experience for so many years, but saying, if I get rejected, I'm just going to yes. scream even louder yeah. the next time. I'm going to ask somebody else. I'm going to climb up the ladder. I know what I deserve. I know what I want. I know what I need. And then doing like, I love how you were like, I had to do my part. I have to do my part. And you were just focusing and redirecting your attention to what you could do versus choosing to continue to accept the circumstances yeah. as is because it wasn't necessary. Yeah. And I think what muddled the waters a little bit is because everybody has something to say, you know? So when it comes to what you can control, there is this piece of it where, you know, when you're vulnerable with people about what you're going through, they're going to want to give you advice. And I think that was part of it too, is like, I got a million and one pieces of advice and it's like, which one do I choose? Yeah. And so like, you do have to do your due diligence and you have to trust yourself. You have to trust yes. your gut, your body, your instincts. Yes. Um, 
and sure, you know, if you find, if somebody has some advice you want to try, that's fine. But I got to the end of my rope and I had people being like, oh, well, I wish you would have tried Plexus a year ago or like, you know, oh, I know this person who did this fecal transplant or like whatever. And all of that might've been great, but they didn't know where I was at at that point in time or what I needed. And I had to be like, okay, it doesn't make me a bad person if I don't take these people's advice. And instead I go with what my gut tells me, like that doesn't yeah. mean that I'm doing anything wrong. Right. Um, and you know, all these people are well-intentioned, right? It's not like they're doing right. anything wrong, but it's, it's like, again, at the end of the day, you know yourself better than even your doctor does. And yes. that's why we as therapists are always like, yes, we're going to have feedback for you, but you know yourself better than I will ever know you. Exactly. Um, and, you know, this has proved that to me, that that's yeah. very true. And I think that's like, that's one piece that a lot of us can walk away from this with is like remembering to trust ourselves more and before and ahead of like the input yeah. that we get from all the experts around us. Because yes, they're experts, experts but they might be experts in the research or they might be experts right. in like this particular sample or this particular group of people but no one has the level of expertise over yourself and your body and your experience like you do so at least you being the expert of you like that is what is the most important piece that a lot of us yeah we kind of forget that when we're looking at the titles and people's positions and their years of experience and blah 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 like trusting yeah. yourself and your gut is yeah. what we need to like filter any information that we do get. So that was like a, a a big piece of you being able to stand on that to advocate for yourself and do your research and yeah. and be like thank you, but no thank you. <laughs> right, right, yeah. Like thanks. Okay, bye. Yeah, I'm not gonna take it. <laughs> yeah, and I think for me, uh, uh, another big piece of it at the time was like um, being vulnerable with the public, like you know, we have social media and it's really controversial, right? But I do think that there's a way that we can use social media that's helpful. And um, so for me, like I, faith is really important to me, the power of prayer, like that's how I grew up. I've seen it be really helpful um, in my life and in other people's lives. And I know that's not for everybody, but mm -hmm. for me, like reaching out and asking for prayer from people, like being vulnerable enough to ask for help, um, was a big part of it too. And a lot of things people couldn't do. People wanted to help, but you know, nobody could do anything. I, mean, I right. couldn't even do anything for a long time. Right. So just asking for that prayer and, and being vulnerable so that you know that you have support from people, um, that like gave me encouragement and, and using that platform as a way to kind of write about my experiences in the way that I wanna be remembered experiencing them, you know? <laughs> <laughs> say that again oh my gosh that that is so because <laughs> because I think you said like writing them but doing it in the way that I want to be remembered for experiencing them because I don't right like I even know myself I don't always have that level of intention or awareness when I put something out but then you're like okay yes I'm doing this for right now like for me to cope right now but you're also intentionally thinking about like the future and the impact that this will have over time and making right. sure that what you're putting out is in alignment with that that's so yeah that's so and I think yeah and, and we talk about values a lot in therapy right and yeah. I, I think that rings so true to me when I'm struggling it's like 
you know, I think about there's all these things I can't control, including my emotions. You know, I'm going to have days mm -hmm. where I'm hopeless and where I'm frustrated and where I'm yeah. pissed. And, um, but that hasn't, doesn't have to change my values. And right. on the days where I was feeling hopeful, I wanted to write about that. I wanted to remember that. And I remember I, a post I made, like, it was, but it was before I ever got, you know, into the ER and had this set. I just remember, like, um, you know, call it the Holy Spirit, call it whatever you want. But I just felt like this piece about it. And I just wrote about it. And I just said, you know, uh, you know, I'm going through all these things. But at the end of the day, like, I know the good that God can bring from bad things. And for me, that's been made evident throughout my life because, I look at every bad thing that's ever happened to me and what it has brought me in the future. And when I acknowledge the positive meaning that can come from these things, it gives me faith that this will be no different, even though it feels that way right now. Yes. I can, there's, there's a part of me that can feel hopeless and there's a part of me that I can also trust and have faith that yes. just as all of these other experiences have, this one will also bring me good. I mean, my son wouldn't have been born if I hadn't gone to the hospital with pancreatitis. Like I wouldn't be a therapist if my, you know, parents hadn't struggled with alcoholism and a divorce. Like I think about all of these things that, and, and part of that's your responsibility too, right? You don't just say, okay, all this bad stuff's happening to me. So I'll just wait for God mm -hmm. to bring some good. It's like, yes. you, you have to ask yourself, okay, I have a choice in this right now. And doesn't mean you're going to like it. doesn't mean you feel thankful that yes. I love that I'm 31 and have my colon out, but you can say, <laughs> I can, I can take this and I can pretend that my life is over or I can take it and I can create something out of it that is going to create my legacy to the yes. world, yes. which is my values and, and, and who I want to be. And that's really, that's kind of the after story, if you will, like my got my colon out right and it's all fine and dandy but I came home in the first week I had a lot of complications and complications that were not normal that I was not expecting and here mm -hmm. I am like and I had a couple of days where I was hopeless and I was like why me like look at my attitude god like yeah you. yeah I think part of it's embracing that too like without darkness there is no light and yes. if you can't also embrace the negative emotions and allow yourself to have some I don't know if I'm allowed to say shitty days, but <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. some bad days. If, if, if you allow yourself to have some bad days, you're going to be so much more thankful for the good days. And you're also going to learn that those emotions are like the weather. They, they come and go. Yes. Um, and they don't last forever. And you, yeah. of course, do the, you do the things to take care of yourself as if you were hopeful, even though you're not feeling it, you still reach out, you still you know, practice good self-care and all of that stuff, even though you don't feel like it. And it's like the hardest thing you can ever imagine doing. Yeah. You do it anyways. Yeah. Because that's what you have control over. You don't have yeah. control over your feelings and those bad days. And at that point I couldn't control the fact that my, so I've named my, you know this, but I've, um, so I have an ileostomy now, which is essentially, they pulled my small intestine through my stomach and um, I wear a bag and I'm like, just constantly going to the bathroom in the bag. That's how I go to the bathroom now. And, but I've named my stoma is what it's called, um, or ileostomy. And her name's Cora because she looks like a little coral in a fish tank. <laughs> um, 
Although sometimes she's really feisty and I'm like, Cora is too nice of a name for you. Like we need an alter ego for you. But, um, so I've named her Cora. So there, there were some times where I couldn't control Cora, even my own body. I couldn't control, but, um, again, you, you do what you can, you know, you talk to the doctors, you, um, reach out to people, you listen to K-Love, the Christian Foundation. <laughs> you know, you do those things that you know are yeah. going to set you up to shorten that period of time that those emotions take place. You know, we can't control when they're going to come and go, but we can at least do our part to not lengthen them. Um, yeah. And, and, post, and posting about those too was important for me. Like I can post about negative emotions and like, I don't have to feel happy all the time to be a strong woman, to be a resilient woman. Um, and and to- it, I, I want to, I want to celebrate the way that you post about your negative emotions. Cause recently, I think it was like, it was the post that inspired me to be like, okay, let me just see your show face <laughs> because you, you were talking about one of those experiences where you felt hopeless, but the way in which you were talking about it it was still very much in alignment with the legacy that you're working to create. So you have found a way to be able to experience and process negative emotions without betraying your values. So you could still feel hopeless. You could still feel down. You could still feel confused in like asking why God without betraying your core values. And that was something that was just so powerful and inspiring to me. And then that touched me and it was just like a way of reminding myself and i think you're normalizing and modeling just for other people you showing and your process in this way that we can go through shitty stuff we could go through difficult situations it does not mean that we need to change our character as we go through them it does not mean that we need to become these ugly kind of evil bitter versions of ourselves as we go through it we could still go through those experiences with grace and continue to uphold the legacy that we've committed our lives to. And that's why right. I respect so much about you and how you Thank are you. going through this. Yeah. I, you know, I kind of ask myself like in five years, like, how do I want to look back and say that I handled this? You know, um, I ask my client those, those questions too, my clients, because I think it's important because when we are in the here and now, everything feels so infinite. Mm-hmm. Um, what we're feeling feels like it's going to last forever, but we know deep down rationally that it won't. And so what will last forever is, you know, how do we, how do we want to look back and say that we, we handled this situation and like, um, I, you know, I've had some people reach out to me who have other like medical issues and they've, you know, said to me like that they've appreciated my posts and it's given them hope and strength and like, at the end of the day, that makes everything worth it. Like regardless of who agrees or disagrees with my level of vulnerability, um, mm-hmm. because I'm sure some people would say like, you know, these are private things. Why are you sharing with them with the world? You know, people don't yeah. want to hear about your poop bag and your, you know, stuff like that. <laughs> but, but for me, it's like, if I can help one person, just one person yeah. through, a, through a rough time, like I don't care what anyone else thinks. And it, yeah. and it helps me in the process too. Like win, yeah. freaking win, you know? Exactly, exactly. So like vulnerability is just a huge part of it, but being vulnerable in a way that's true to my values, just like you yeah. said. Um, and I, I think that pretty much, that sums it up pretty well. Yeah. And, and the, even the, like the, the private piece, because there's, 
when you, we are sharing information with intention, then we can like the sharing of that information. It has a function. It has a purpose. And so you and I as therapists, we know a lot of the distress that we go through in the human experience is because a lot of the times we keep things behind closed doors because right. a lot of times we feel like we're the only ones or we're isolated because we don't have these real life conversations about difficult things that we go through. And so you are choosing to share that and that's mm -hmm. allowing other people to see a model of how I could go through life, how I can live with a chronic illness and still be a beautiful soul and not have to because a lot of times what we see we don't see models of that and right. so you are taking that upon yourself to be like this is part of the legacy that i want to create and i'm going to disclose information about myself that most people might keep private but i'm choosing to disclose that for this purpose for this right. function and it's very much in alignment with who you are so that is that is a beautiful thing and i am so grateful that you're choosing to do that because it yeah it has a ripple effect well no and i remember i remember when um it was before i mean it was probably four years ago or so and i was just at that point in time starting to kind of think about the idea of having my colon removed at that point in time it's so funny i thought of it as like preventative um and it it's just so funny how it would have been so like not preventative at that point in time, but, but, but that's what I've been kind of brainwashed to believe like uh -huh. that I'm preventing colon cancer. Like I shouldn't have my colon, but anyways, that's going down another rabbit hole. Um, some people are familiar with Tosh Poino, the show. Some people are, uh -huh. Uh -huh. um, he's just like a funny guy who in interviews, like people on YouTube, sometimes he makes fun of them. Sometimes they're like, kind of like celebrities on YouTube or whatever. And he brought this girl on, this was about four years ago, and she had an ileostomy. And she was popular on YouTube because she had been sharing her journey with the world. And of course, Daniel Tosh, he's like, no holds barred. Like, you know, he's like asking all these really personal, like poop questions and stuff. And she's just unabashedly like telling him how it is. And he's like, can I touch it? She's like, sure. You know, like, um, <laughs> And yeah, so it's like, just, she's a very, very open. And I remember seeing that and being like, okay, like that's one less thing that I have to worry about with, if I have to get this surgery, like I don't have to be ashamed of it. Like, and yeah. I've done en enough of my own like body image and shame work to like know that my worth, of course we all still struggle with that as women, but yeah. to know that my worth doesn't come from whether I have a bag or not, you know, yeah. and that, and that yeah. not only that, but I, I can choose to have the attitude of actually, this makes me better. And I think that's pretty cool that I'm able to make that choice. Like, not yes. only do I have to hide this and pretend like, oh, it's fine. You know, it, it is what it is. I can actually be like, hey, guess what? I have this bag and you know what this bag represents? It represents my strength. It represents my self-advocacy. Yes. And like, and so that's why like, I, not that I want to like tell everybody, you know, that I have a bag that I poop in, but I'm also not going to take all these extra measures. Like, like I, I'm going to go swimming again and I'm going to get a little bag cover for it. And I'm going to get in the freaking pool because I want to do that. And if somebody has a yeah. problem with that, they can ask me about it. That's mm -hmm. fine. But I'm mm -hmm. also not going to change who I am um, exactly. because I'm embarrassed about this. And like, um, you and I were talking a little bit ago that, you know, now there's like somebody with an ileostomy in a bra and underwear catalog, like the stigma is yeah. changing. And if I can yeah. help with that in any small yes. way, 
and give someone else and someone else is like, oh, wow, look at how, look at her attitude about this. Maybe I can have that attitude and, and maybe it's time for me to do what's best for me and get my colon removed. Yeah. Like what an amazing thing that would be. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because those people, yeah, mm-hmm. those people helped me to do, to do that. And, yeah. um, and I do believe that ultimately this was the best decision I've ever made. She, she, the doctor showed me a picture of my colon after she took it out. And like, she was like, I don't know how you were working. I don't know how you were functioning. Like, this is one of the worst I've ever seen. She's done 5,000 surgeries. And like, I just broke down in tears yeah. because part of it was like kind of sadness for my past self of like, and, and validation of like, wow, yes. like, I, I'm, I wasn't crazy. I wasn't. Yes. Like, you were heard finally. Happen. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And so I just, I don't want, I don't want anything I go through to be in vain and I can control that and yes. through my attitude and my choices and that's what I'm doing. So yes, like it or not. <laughs> I love it. I love it. <laughs> but as you were talking, I was getting flashbacks of us in grad school doing role plays. Do you remember doing a role play with, with, I talked to Emily with the about bag? It. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reason I think I did that role play then is because there was a part of me that knew at some point in time I would have that. And that I, I would need to find a way around the stigma of it, you know? And the, like, you, you know me, humor's like always been a huge part of my coping mechanism. And like, yeah. so even like naming her Cora and like, I mean, I, okay, so here's another thing that's kind of important to know is that, and I didn't know this before the surgery, um, it didn't deter me, but it was, you know, I was like, okay, I'm gonna have to figure that obstacle out. So I, Obviously, I don't have a sphincter, so when I have gas, oh, I didn't. Everybody know hears it. I can't control it. Everybody hears it. It's gotten better since the first week, but the first week was like insane. I'm like, if I'm gonna live like this, like everybody's gonna know. And so, I was trying to figure out, like, okay, how am I gonna bring this into the therapy room? Like, how am I gonna, you know? And and that's part of why I named her is because like it it was a helpful way to meet, like to make it kind of silly and like so if she ever like the other day like my husband and I were not fighting, but we were just like having a little disagreement, uh, you know, and discussing our points of view and like, you know, Cora farted, if you will. <laughs> and, and I was like, see, honey, she agrees with me. Like Cora agrees with me. And it's like things like that, like being able to use your humor, which is a value yes. of mine, like even in the midst of that, because people are going to adopt your attitude about things. They will. And so if you're embarrassed, they're going to feel embarrassed. Yes. We, we take on people's emotions. But if yes, I we do. make jokes about it and I like talk about it as if, you know, this is just another part of me, you're welcome to ask about it. People are going to adopt that too, including my clients. And I think like, like you said, when we share vulnerable pieces of ourselves, a lot of times our clients come in thinking, oh gosh, this person's going to judge me. This person um, thinks they're better than me or is better than me. They think that we are less broken than them. Yeah. But when you have poop coming out of your stomach <laughs> and you can't control your farts, like that's, you know, cores the string of humanity, you know, between yeah. me and people who think that I am not broken. I am broken. We all are broken. Um, and that's so important to remember, but how do we deal with that brokenness? Yes. And how do we perceive it? We could perceive it in a beautiful way in an empowered way. And you know what, this makes me unique. 
type of way yeah. or we could perceive it in a way where we're somewhat less than or unworthy because of the brokenness etc yeah. etc with the you naming Cora piece like I love the the humor piece and everything the way that I was like processing it when I first heard of it I was like I love how you are um adopting it by also not allowing it to consume your identity so you're like right. Cora she's her own she's her own person yep. she has her own little personality she goes speak what she wants to <laughs> she she's gonna giggle or cough or make whatever sound right. she needs to make I'm not herself. exactly I'm not taking responsibility for her that's Cora yes. that's her yes. and that just makes it easier for you to like you're still you and Cora's yeah. just you know Good she's point. joined the team she's she's yes. gonna be around and she is on my team and like at the end of the day like she, she, she saved my life you know maybe not yeah. physically but she but she did like like it's so weird I went into Target today so <laughs> Target has always been like a trigger place for me like I don't know if it's something they put in the air or what but like I always know that as soon as I get into Target like I can't get too far into the store because I'm gonna need to run to the bathroom and I okay. went to Target today and I'm like looking for the bathrooms and I'm like, oh my God, I don't have, I don't have to look for a bathroom anymore. Like I get to choose when I go to the bathroom now. And it was like just this wonderful feeling. I'm like, my Target trip's going to be like 20 minutes shorter now. Like, this is great. <laughs> I love so, that. Yeah. It's just, you know, you could look at the negatives or the positives and I'm, I'm looking and at all the positives. Yeah. And you're, you're intentionally also processing the negatives in a way right. that yeah. you're doing, doing your part to, yeah, to make sure that anything quote unquote bad is going to benefit and be part of the exactly. material I use to create the good. And so you're like, okay, these are the raw resources I have. How do I make this work? You know, how do I turn yeah. this into yeah. fertilizer or whatever the case may right. be. And, yeah. And, yeah. And today, like, for example, I'm on a clear liquid diet because tomorrow I have to go in and have another procedure where they dilate Cora so that she, because I'm having still some complications, um, where she's, she's just not acting the way she's supposed to. And so I'm on a clear liquid diet all day. Like I love food. I had to be on a full liquid diet for three weeks and then I finally got to start eating solid foods again and it was amazing. And now I'm on this clear liquid diet today and it sucks, you know, mm -hmm. and I can say that it sucks and I'm like, I'm hungry. <laughs> I want to yeah. eat, but I yeah. also know like, really what a small little, you know, drop in the bucket, but I'm also allowed right. to feel hungry. I'm allowed to yeah. feel frustrated. I can't eat for a day. You know, it's like, yeah. you just, you look, you can look at it all and put it into perspective. And that's what I try to do. Yes. So if what, what, who is it that you hope that your story of resilience touches the most? Oh my goodness. Um, I think for me, it, just people going through health issues. I think, um, of course, anyone going through trials and tribulations, if they can take some of what I say and run with it, that's great. But for me, like what, what I know to be extremely difficult is the place that I was in where you're you're not getting answers, you're not being heard, and you're suffering. And um, that's a really hard place to be in. And, but I also want people to know that there's, there is still hope there, you can still come out of it on top, or in, in a lot of my cases, and I think in other people's cases, too, 
in a better place than you were before. And so I think for me, it's just so important that, you know, people who do feel like they're in a hopeless situation, especially health wise, um, I hope that they can see this and get, feel some hope and strength through it. Um, and I mean, I, I have these, you know, like scenarios in my mind where like if somebody in my exact position, you know, who has suffered like with UC or, or Crohn's or something um, is sick and tired of suffering, but they've been so afraid to get like an ileostomy. And if this video gives them the strength to go to their doctor and say, you know what, I want to pull the trigger and I, I don't want this anymore. And that's what's best for them. Like that would be the ultimate, um, I guess, benefit that I could gain from this because that, that's where I was. I needed somebody to be like, you don't have to be afraid of this and this can actually be your happy ending. And nobody told me that until I reached out, until I, until I looked for it. Um, and so if someone can figure out that what they think might be the end of the world could be their happy ending and they have a similar health issue, that would be just amazing. You know, my grandma got, um, she actually got an ostomy about six months before she passed and she mm-hmm. fought it tooth and nail. She said, I'd rather go to my grave than get have a bag because she, she was an older generation. It, there was a lot of pride issues and stuff. And so okay. I hope that if there's anybody watching who feels like, you know, this is just going to define me and I'm going to be gross and embarrassing and, you know, I don't want a bag and blah, blah, blah. I want them to be like, no, look at this, look at this 31 year old woman and she's rocking it. And I can yes. too. Yeah. And and I, and I think that would be like just the ultimate like gift for me. I'd be like, okay, it's all worth it now. <laughs> if, if it can do that for someone. Um, yeah. And that's why I think, you know, social media can help us reach those people. And, um, and then so can our experiences too. I mean, a lot of people like they also do, will do a reversal of their ileostomy. So they have to have an ileostomy first. And then when certain things heal, they can reconnect that small intestine to the rectum. Okay. So then you don't have to have a bag anymore. Oh. But the only reason that people usually do that is pride. Um, it comes with, you, ha- you still have to go to the bathroom a bunch of times a day. Cause if you imagine your small intestine, yeah, it's, you're, it's shorter. So it's shorter. Like, and so you're yeah. always, I mean, every 10 minutes something's coming out and so you can only hold that for so long before you have to go to the bathroom so people who have it's called a j pouch they still have to go to the bathroom a lot they still they have like increased risk of like pouchitis which is you know really nasty to deal with um but people have this option because they're embarrassed about their bag but it's like way worse mm. in my experience at least what i know From, of it is right. it can be way worse health-wise and i'm not bashing anybody who chooses that but i also like for me, I told them, I said, I don't want that. Like, I already know I don't want that. Like yeah. I would choose potential embarrassment or, you know, cause I'm going to destigmatize this. I've got that. Yes. I can't handle these health issues, but I can handle the stigma of a bag, you know? Yes. yes. So for me, it wasn't, it wasn't even a choice. I said, no, I don't want it. I already know. I don't want, I don't want the reversal. Um, yeah. Um, and so even if in that way, it helps somebody where they're, you know, they're, they don't know if they should get the reversal or not because they're embarrassed about their bag and maybe they choose to, to go with the better health route because mm-hmm. they see that, oh, I don't have to be ashamed of this. You exactly. Know? That's something that is within my control. Our perception is something that we can learn to master and right. you have definitely mastered it. So thank, well, thank you. Thank you. you. Really thank you so much.
Thanks for having me on. This was fun. Therapeutic. <laughs>